Welcome to the radio broadcast of Pineview Baptist Church, a growing community of faith in the Belfast community of Goldsboro. We are located at 3357 U.S. Highway 117 North in Goldsboro. We invite you to find out more about our congregation by visiting us at facebook.com forward slash Pineview Baptist Goldsboro. Join us now for our weekly message. I've entitled our message today, Don't Forget to Remember. And the sources of our remembrance we see in this text are the glory of our Lord as witnessed by the apostles and also the word of the prophets as evidenced in the Old Testament. Here's our big idea today, the truth that we need to hold on to. We need to be ever mindful of the imminent return of our Lord in order to live godly lives. We need to be ever mindful of the imminent return of our Lord in order to live godly lives. The truth of God's transforming grace is not mere human invention, as some would have you believe today. It rests on eyewitness accounts. It's confirmed by the fulfilled prophecies that we find in the Old Testament Scriptures. You hear me say often that there is evidence enough to support the claims of Scripture and to prove that the Bible is true, that it is the Word of God. And we're going to look at two of those evidences in deeper detail today. But let me say this before we begin. It does not matter how long you have been following Jesus. I don't care if you've been a Christian for 50, 60, 70 years. You need the gospel. It does not matter how mature you think you are in your faith and how much Bible you can quote and recite. You need the gospel. And so let's keep that in mind today as we walk verse by verse through the last section of this chapter. Firstly, we see the glory of our Lord as witnessed by the apostles. That is one of our sources of remembrance. Verse 16, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. This, Peter says, is not just fairy tales. It isn't just bedtime stories. He says, we didn't follow cleverly devised myths. David Helm in his commentary of 2 Peter says this, A careful reading of this verse discloses that some people in the early church were willing to dismiss certain aspects of the apostles' teaching as outdated and antiquated. Doesn't that sound familiar? He says, the challenge teaching, that which was being called fable or myth to be more exact, pertain to the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We know that he's speaking in verse 16 of the second coming of Jesus. And later on in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 4, he will write this. They will say, where is the promise of His coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. And so we know that there are some within the early church who are questioning the truthfulness of the promise of Christ's return. Is He really coming back? Oh, He said that, but eh, probably not. It's been so long now. Things just keep on rolling. 
They just keep on happening. I've heard all my life that he's coming back. I just, I don't believe it anymore. And here is Peter nearing the final chapters of his life and he knows it. He knows that his days are short. And so he wants to take great care to make sure that his doctrine and his teachings are defended from the error of false teachers. You see, the truth is, brothers and sisters, if there's no second coming, there's no need for godliness in this present age. And the world is full of very loud voices today who herald that very message. And it's on full display during the month of June every year now. And there are many wolves in sheep's clothing who even stand behind pulpits Sunday after Sunday who will tell you that you can live as you please. And there's no fear of divine punishment. That hell isn't real. That the wrath of God is just a a made-up doctrine. And these heretics, they love to herald the biblical truth that God is love, but they stop short of the full message. They say love is love. Oh, we're all God's children. Don't you hear that all the time? I'm sure some of us have even said it. We're not all God's children. You don't find that doctrine in Scripture. Hear people say, well... Because love is love, you can live how you want. Just eat, drink, and be merry. Do what is right in your own eyes. But Peter would have his readers know that everything he taught, including his views on the second coming of Christ in judgment, rested not on a fable or a fairy tale. He says these truths are grounded in reality. Notice verse 17 of our text. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. He says, we ourselves heard in verse 18. The evidence of this was apostolic witness. That's why we talk about the, and the scriptures refer to the truth that we have received from the apostles, the apostolic teaching, and the church is founded on that teaching. Jim Shaddix, man, what a preacher he is, and a commentator of God's word. And in his commentary, referencing Thomas Schreiner, who is a, a professor at, or was at one time a professor at Southern Seminary, He writes these words, The transfiguration of Christ serves as the backdrop of 2 Peter 1. On that mountain, God the Father gave divine witness to the glory and majesty of God the Son, including His fulfillment and superiority over the law, Moses, and over the prophets, Elijah. The event also foreshadowed the revelation of that same glory and majesty in Christ's return. It is no accident that the transfiguration accounts in all three Gospels, all three synoptic Gospels, are prefaced by Jesus' declaration that some of His apostles were about to witness a preview of the second coming. Theophany that took place at the transfiguration no doubt was an advanced screening of our Lord's return and God's coming kingdom, He says. And so Peter recalls the event because it represented and anticipated Christ's powerful coming. Peter is saying, in essence, 
Christ will return with the same honor and the same glory that was evidenced on that holy mountain. He will return with the same honor and the same glory that we saw on that mountain with our own eyes. They heard the voice of the Lord with their very own ears. And so Peter is saying, the false teachers, they don't have a leg to stand on because I saw it. I heard it. And saints, it will be truly majestic. He uses that word majestic, majesty. And that word is typically a word in the scriptures that is reserved for God. But here it is a reference to the deity of Christ. In other words, he's saying God has bestowed His glory. He has conferred that glory and His majestic glory at that onto His Son. And Peter and the other apostles didn't have to concoct stories. They saw it firsthand. They were witnesses of it on that holy mountain. And brothers and sisters, that should encourage us and edify us today. It should spur us on to continue in the faith, to live godly lives in the light of Christ's return. If you have your Bibles open still, or a pew Bible nearby, turn with me to Titus chapter 2. We're going to look at a section here very quickly, and then we're going to turn to 1 John. Titus Chapter 2, and verse 11, we'll read down through verse 14. It says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for Himself a people for His own possession who are zealous for good works. That section of Scripture is why I say frequently Christ changes lives. It says that He redeemed us from lawlessness He's seeking to purify for Himself a people. Turn over to 1 John 3. 1 John chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 1 through 3. I love this section of Scripture right here. It says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us. That we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone thus who hopes in Him purifies himself as He is pure. Read that last again. Everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself. Himself, as He is pure. You cannot be a Christian and live a life that denies the faith. You cannot call yourself a Christian and live a life that is antithetical to the principles of Scripture. We are called to confirm our calling and election, to supplement our faith with virtue, with godliness, with steadfastness. And one of our sources of remembrance is the glory of our Lord 
that was witnessed by Peter and the other apostles. Our second source of remembrance moving on is the word of the prophets as evidenced in the Old Testament writings. The words of the prophets as evidenced in the Old Testament writings. Despite the message of the false teachers, we can know the truth about God. He uses the phrase, the prophetic word. Some other translations say words of the prophets. But this statement refers to the writings, not just of the minor and the major prophets, but the entirety of the Old Testament. MacArthur says this, All of the Old Testament was written by prophets in the truest sense, since they spoke and wrote God's word, which was the task of a prophet. And they looked forward in some sense to the coming Messiah. Peter here is expressing his total trust and confidence in the trustworthiness of Scripture. And he's saying, don't take my word for it. Yeah, I saw it. I heard it with my own ears. But don't just take my word for it. Trust the Scriptures. Trust God's Word. And he informs us that it is so trustworthy that it should be our guide for faith and practice until the Lord returns. God's Word is complete. We have everything that we need. And while we're here, and I try to do this every time, we're in a section of Scripture like this, and we're talking about apostles and prophets. We believe those offices have ceased. We certainly know for a fact that the apostolic office has ceased. That the apostolic age is no more. And so be very weary, wary of anyone who calls themselves and fashions themselves as an apostle. Because what they're saying is I'm, dis- I'm receiving direct revelation from God that is on par with Scripture, that is a falsehood, that is an error, and it will lead you away from the truth of God's Word. There are no more apostles who have walked with Christ and seen Him face to face and received direct revelation from God. The church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. The foundation is set, saints. It does not need to be built upon anymore. And so we've got to be careful there. and We need to understand that. But the apostle Peter is telling us, look, you can trust God's written word. You can trust the foundation that has been set. You can trust the fulfillment of prophecy that we see in the own scriptures. Sola Scriptura. That was the cry of the reformers, beginning with Martin Luther as he nailed those 95 theses to the door in Wittenberg. A.A. A. Hodge, a minister from another era in the 1800s, he, he wrote about this idea, particularly speaking about the church in Rome, the Roman Catholic Church, In a work that he entitled The Rule of Faith and Practice, I want to share a portion of it with you. Hodge wrote that the Romish theory is that the complete rule of faith and practice consists of Scripture and tradition. Or the oral teaching of Christ and His apostles handed down through the church. Tradition they hold to be necessary. First, to teach additional truth not contained in the Scriptures. And second, to interpret Scripture. 
He writes, the church being the divinely constituted depository and judge of both scripture and tradition. But then the reformers would come along. And they would say no to that idea. They would say, we have what we need for faith and practice. Not our own ideas, not the traditions of men, not the traditions of the church, but Scripture alone is our rule for faith and practice. It's all that we need to order the church and to faithfully serve in the kingdom of God. And so Hodge went on to write this, The Scriptures do not, as claimed, ascribe authority to oral tradition. Tradition signifies all His instructions, oral and written, communicated to those very people themselves, not handed down. On the other hand, Christ rebuked this doctrine of the Romanists and their predecessors, the Pharisees. Amen. To prove that point, we only have to turn to the Gospels in Matthew 15, verse 3. Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees. He says this, He answered them, why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? A few verses later in verse 6, he said, for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. Sola Scriptura. God's word is our guide for faith and practice. And I'm not just picking on the Roman Catholic Church today. Don't think that we Baptists are without fault here. Because there have been many times throughout our histories that many of our traditions have been extra-biblical, even unbiblical at times. I heard Paul Washer recently state that he could walk into many Baptist churches today and have no idea what's going on. They've become so seeker-sensitive that they've watered down the gospel. They've been so influenced by by the extreme charismatic churches that they aren't holding to scriptural, biblical truth. The scriptures always, hear me saints, always speak in the name of God and they command obedience. Christ and His apostles always referred to the written scriptures. What did Jesus say over and over when He was being tempted in the desert? It is written. It is written. It is written. How do you combat the enemy? How do you combat temptation? It is written. It is written. That is the very reason why the Bereans were commended. Because they tested everything. Even the apostolic teaching. They tested it by the Scriptures. The Scriptures are a lamp, Peter says, shining in a dark place. Psalm 119 and 105, the psalmist said, Your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. And it is written word that is our guide. Peter says, It is your guide until the day dawns, until the morning star rises in your hearts. What does that mean? That's another reference to the second coming of Christ. He said, Follow God's word until Christ returns. It's our authoritative source of spiritual truth. And evidently there were those who were neglecting to pay attention, Peter says, to that lamp. And they were so wrapped up in the doctrines of the false teachers that they failed to give attention to what had already been given. And we're no different. We chase fads. 
We chase fresh revelation, new doctrines that don't hold water. The canon is closed, brothers and sisters. God's Word is revealed. We have no need for the apostolic ministry anymore. We've received it. The foundation has been given. And I would also add, and I know many good saints disagree with me on this, but we need to be very careful at the least with the idea of prophecy. In my mind, I believe that the closest thing we have to a prophetic event is what I'm doing this morning. A prophet was one who declared the word of the Lord. Now, in the Old Testament, they were foretelling many times. But I believe that an elder, a pastor who is standing in the pulpit and proclaiming God's word, it is a prophetic moment. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to pull things down from the sky and say, well, God told me this or God's going to do this. No, I'm telling you what God has written This is our foundation. This is what we submit to. God's revealed word. Verse 20 and 21 as we draw this to a close. Knowing this first of all that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. Listen to that. No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Spirit. This book is no invention of man. Firstly, it would be humanly impossible. It would be humanly impossible to to, to write a book, to compile a list of letters with no error, with no contradiction. And yes, I hear people say that all the time, erroneously. Well, the Bible contains contradictions. No, you're failing to interpret Scripture by Scripture. You're failing to submit to God's Word. This book contains no error. We can look at the hundreds of prophecies that have come to pass, that have been fulfilled. And it would be humanly impossible to devise that. Furthermore, why would a man want to write things like we see in the Old Testament and to confine himself to certain laws and practices? It would be crazy. No prophecy comes from someone's own interpretation. It was not produced by the will of man. Peter is saying, God carried these men along. The idea there is a ship sailing in the sea, being carried by a strong wind. And he's using that metaphor to to refer to the Spirit carrying these men along, using them as His instrument to proclaim His Word. Listen to this from MacArthur. The Holy Spirit thus is the divine author and originator, the producer of Scripture. In the Old Testament alone, the human writers refer to their writings as the Word of God over 3,800 times. Though the human writers of Scripture were active rather than passive in the process of writing, God the Holy Spirit superintended them so that using their own individual personalities, thought processes, and vocabulary... They composed and recorded without error the exact words God wanted written. The original copies of Scripture are therefore inspired. That's an important point too. The original copies of Scripture are therefore inspired. God breathed and inerrant without error. Peter defined the process of inspiration which created an errant original text. Saints, we have divine sources of remembrance. 
We are not a people of a blind faith, as many would claim. We are a people who have proof, evidence. Again, there is evidence enough to support the claims of God's Word and to prove that it is true. And we've seen two of those evidences today. The glory of our Lord that was witnessed by the apostles and the words of the prophets as evidenced in the Old Testament writings. Change and transformation in the Christian life are fueled by these sources. And they show us the truths behind God's divine plan. They enable us to be transformed and to live kingdom lives in the present age. As we close, I want to share some thoughts with you, some points of application. Scripture is superior to your experience, brothers and sisters. And that is a part of what the apostle was telling us in this very text. I know so many people that their, their faith is too connected to their feelings. It's too connected to their experience. But Peter is saying here, look, I saw it. I saw it and I heard it with my own eyes and ears. But then he goes on to say, don't just take my word for it. Scripture is superior to your experience. It's superior because of the supernatural origin of it. We don't interpret Scripture on a personal whim. Interpretation doesn't mean that it means whatever we think it means. Or whatever you feel that it means. Again, Scripture interprets Scripture. If we come to a section that is difficult to understand, we have to look at the larger teaching throughout God's Word. Verse 21 tells us that. It tells us that the Scriptures are from God. What is our response? Submission to the written Word. In view of Christ's second coming, we submit to what God has given us in His Word. Peter has told us in this chapter, saints, that we enjoy a precious faith, verse 4. And as such, we are called to live a life that is evidence of that faith. And that's why he told us in verse 5 to make every effort, to make your calling and election sure, verse 10. And I hope this encourages us today that the same Spirit that carried along the writers of Scripture indwells believers today. And as we grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ, as we grow in sanctification, we will know true transformation. Peter informs us that Christ's return is a promised reality. May we submit to the written word. If you would like more information about Pineview Baptist Church, we invite you to follow us on social media. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Pineview Baptist Goldsboro. There you will find information about our service times, upcoming events, directions to our church, and videos of our Sunday services.